And welcome in, everybody, to Off With The Helmets right here, courtesy of DSP Media and DSP Media Online. I'm Brady Tinker. Uh, Off of The Helmets number four, if you've just joined the redo of our show here on DSP Media, Off of The Helmets number 315, unofficially, if you were with us through all of the ESPN radio shows that we did online and on site, uh, enjoyed those days very much and happy to be back doing Off of The Helmets again. So let's get to it. we got a lot to do. Cowboys, Bears, next. And welcome, everybody, to Off of the Helmet. City is Wednesday. Time to get you an update on everything that I know about the Dallas Cowboys. A couple of minor additions made to the team to this point. I know they are still poking around, even though Jerry Jones said the other day, quote, the only type of player I'd be interested in is a Deion Sanders type. I don't see any of them, so I don't expect a trade. Then the Cowboys went out and made a trade. We'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, but let's head back to last week's win, 24-6. to If you didn't watch the game, you're like, eh, they didn't score as many points as I wanted them to. But 24-6 is a cover. They comfortably win. The defense steps up again, and everything went perfect. If you watch the game, then you know that the Cowboys were only ahead 10-6 with eight minutes left to go in the game, and that Lions were actually on the doorstep of taking a 13-10 lead at a pretty pivotal moment. And that game may have been in real peril. But in the end, five second-half turnovers turned things around. The Cowboys get a win 24-6. Not style-pointing anything. But I am looking at Dak Prescott and specifically Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy and what this offense is or isn't doing. So Dak moves to one and one, the Tampa game I'm laying on him, uh, gets a victory yesterday, 20 or on Sunday, 24 to six in the first half. He's nine for 14. He misses his first throw. And I thought that that sent him spinning just a little bit because you can imagine that, Hey Dak, what's your first throw going to be in this game? Let's get it over with early. We'll bootleg out to the left. We'll have a simple little throw moving to my left to a big-ass tight end, and they probably practiced it 56 times. And every time he hit the guy between the numbers, if anything, the pass was a little bit low, so you don't worry about cornerbacks or safeties or tip balls, and you gain 12 yards, and here we go. Dak is off and running, and he's back. Instead, he rolls out comfortably, stands straight up, and awkwardly zings the ball just off the fingertips into the first row of the, of the seats, and it's an incomplete pass to a wide, open wide receiver. Not a great start. He ends up 9 for 14 in the first half for 101 yards, and Detroit is winning 6-3. to three. Not much going on. I'm not panicking. I don't know about you. I know this defense. Detroit's offense looks anemic as hell, and somehow or another the defense will help the offense win the game, and certainly Dak's going to get better. And he did. 10 for 11 in the second half, 103 yards, and a 21 to nothing second half scoring edge for the Cowboys leads to a relatively easy-looking 24 to 6 victory. So, okay. I'll go for the good stuff. Dak didn't get hurt. I've been asking for a month for all of you to take note of what happened in the first game of the year against Tampa prior to the thumb injury. That Dak Prescott's lower body had an issue. He had a confidence issue as well in that lower body. He made some erratic awful throws, including an interception that was a full, probably 10 yards short of its intended wide receiver, and then he got hurt in the thumb. So really the reason I wanted this six to eight week layoff for Dak Prescott was a couple of things. One, Cooper Rush was doing fine. Mike McCarthy had taken hold of this offense, and it was a defense and run football team, and it was working. Didn't work against the Eagles, but it was working against everybody else, so this team had time. Plus, the NFC's not great. 
Tampa Bay and Green Bay seem to be taking themselves out of this thing. So are we terrified of Minnesota and Philadelphia and now San Francisco after their trade? I don't think so. So I wanted time for Dak. So I will say the good news, I didn't think I saw hesitancy physically from Dak Prescott. Did he move very well within the pocket? No. Did he run around? No. Do I want him to? No. As a matter of fact, after the game, jumping ahead a little bit, Jerry Jones said, Mark my words, Dak Prescott will be a big part of this, quote, running game going forward for the rest of this season. And I immediately thought to myself, damn, I wish I was in front of him because I would have raised my hand and said, have you asked him about that? When was the last time you saw Dak Prescott run the football where you thought he kind of really wanted to run the football and was confident about doing it? Is it in the playoff game when he took four too many steps and the team couldn't get off the next play? Probably. But there was not a lot of time in the second half of last year where he looked happy about running around, and certainly he didn't in the Tampa game. And if I'm right that he still has some issues with what's going on below the waist, he don't want to run. And I don't really need him to run, do you? I mean, it's not 2016-17 anymore. This guy isn't the beast running around everywhere with those big thighs and that, and that big ass taking on all comers. It's not him anymore. He had a catastrophic injury. His leg was going five different directions. I imagine he wanted to be to ever walk again. So those thoughts do pop back and forth into his head, and you can see him looking a little bit disconcerted or off. And why else might he look disconcerted? Because the offensive coordinator's not doing a fucking thing for him. I don't know what's going on with Kellen Moore, but two years ago, we weren't keeping Kellen Moore because he was going to be a head coach in the NFL. Notice how that has stopped? No one's calling. Mike McCarthy, I know for a fact, has taken over a big part of what's happened with this offense as this team went on its little four-game winning streak under Cooper Rush, and that was he grabbed it by the throat and said, we're going 12 personnel, we're going two tight ends a lot, we're going to use these two running backs. This zone-blocking scheme seems to really be working, even though we have a makeshift offensive line, and we got one hell of a defense. That's what we're doing. So that neutered Kellen Moore a little bit, but the bottom line is, when was the last time you thought Kellen Moore did a good job calling plays? It wasn't the last seven or eight games of last year, and it sure as hell was in the playoff against San Francisco. His team looked like it couldn't score, and now still look like that against a Detroit team that came in the worst scoring defense, or, or the worst defense in the NFL at giving up points. Going into that game, if you were the Cowboys and Dak, you knew 50% of the drives that the Lions went out there to defend 46, sorry, not 50%, 46% of the drives that the Lions went out there, to, out there to defend, the other offense scored a touchdown. Holy shit, it's Christmas if you're Dak Prescott. Perfect time to bring me back. I'm feeling good. I'm spinning it, as Jerry Jones said. My lower body's okay. Shut up, Tinker. We're fine. We're going to score some damn points. Didn't do a thing. Didn't do a thing. And now, we're going to get to it in a minute, here come the Bears. And you might have said, oh, who gives a shit about the Bears? Except they hung 245 yards rushing on New England, and Belichick knew it was coming. They can't throw. Now you're scared. I'm scared. I'm certainly nervous because I don't know what's going to happen with the offense. Other good news, Zach, uh, Zeke in his last five games, four touchdowns, 4.6 yards a carry, 15 for 57, an effective two touchdowns, had a hyperextended knee that we could all see right there on television against the Lions, and I'm like, man, that could be it. ACL, MCL, a sprain at least. He waits about two plays, runs back out on the field, and leaps over somebody. So I guess he's okay. Now, he has had some time off already today, uh, as you would expect, and they're taking it easy on him, but I guess he's fine. Tony Pollard in the last three games, 6.8 yards per carry and one touchdown, only four catches. And I continue to have a question mark above my head about that. Can you not figure out how to get Pollard out into the slot or 
run him on a little naked something behind the quarterback and just throw him the ball on the move because he's really fast and he's really the only guy on the team right now that is explosive enough to go to the house. He's the only guy, and he's still not getting many plays. Now, remember, I think the Cowboys got 57 plays over the weekend. You watch the Chiefs, and they're getting 75. So that is two or three less drives that the Cowboys' offense is getting. So that will neuter how many plays, runs, carries, and catches these guys get. On the other hand, there is no reason that Michael Gallup gets two balls thrown his way and have no catches, and the offensive coordinator says, yeah, yeah, i got to do something better about getting him involved. No shit. Kellen Moore, neutered by Mike McCarthy to the 12 personnel, which worked, and it is what they need to continue to do. On the other hand, if you're going to go where you want to go, you needed Dak Prescott back because he can hit the third step, the fifth step, or the seventh step, and get the ball out on time with a lot of juice behind it and make throws in games where all of a sudden the defense, what happens if the defense is human for a half a game? And they give up 17 points in the first half to somebody, and this offense actually has to score points in bunches a little bit. You think you're anywhere near that? I don't think we are, and I don't blame it all on Dak. And yes, there is rust, and yes, six weeks off the field. There's nothing that, that simulates actually playing a football game. There's just not. So he'll get better. I'm just going to assume he'll get better. He has the arm for it, he has the strength for it, and he certainly has the love and devotion of his team, a decent offensive line, a good run game, and a good defense. He'll get better, but he has to. He has to because if you're going to go all the way to the playoffs, whether you win the division or not, or you get in as a wild card with a home game, hopefully, you're still going to have to score points. And I don't mean in bunches because I don't think that's the case, but you are going to have to be able at certain drives. We all know it, right? We watch the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and you say – This team's going down and getting three at least before halftime. And boom, there they go. Systematically, they march their way down the football field. They will not take no for an answer. They're going forward on fourth down. And that quarterback, whichever one it is, is going to get it done. You need to feel that way about your team and about this quarterback. You have to. There isn't anybody else. There are plenty of people out there who are head over heels for Dak, and it doesn't matter what he does. He's still great, and he still has your heart. And then there are those of you, like my friend Tim IndyCar Ham, who's going to be on two different shows today, who will say, He's done. He's emotionally done. He's physically done. He doesn't have it, uh, and we're, we're screwed because this is our quarterback, and we owe him a lot of damn money, and I don't think he can really get out of it until after next year for any, any way around it. I'm not even considering that uh, because that isn't an option that gives the Cowboys a chance to be the team that you want. So I'm assuming that big old Dak Prescott is healthy, is getting emotionally happier and healthier, and he is going to get better, but he needs help from Kellen Moore. Mike McCarthy will back the hell off. You know what? Call me, Kellen, and I will tell you. Watch some Chiefs, if you will. Watch some Buffalo Bills. Even watch some San Francisco 49ers. Watch how wonderfully these teams use motion and movement to get the speed guys the football. And Garoppolo can't even throw. Most of what they do is within five yards of the line of scrimmage. I don't care how you do it. But get the fast guys on this team the football. Now, do they need some? Yes. It wouldn't be bad to make a trade. Dalton Schultz cannot be the only person this quarterback throws the ball to in the next seven or eight games, or this team is in trouble. Now the Bears come to town. Bet you're a little, ner- little more nervous than you were. Bears are 3-4 and four after a 33-14 win at New England. We watched Belichick take the Lions, who were the number one scoring offense at the time, and shut them out 28 or 29 to nothing two weeks ago. So certainly Belichick has got fields who can't throw. And a running team in Chicago figured out, and they're getting nothing. There will be 10 guys at the line of scrimmage begging Fields to throw the football down the field, which he doesn't want to do, right? Got it. Didn't work. 33-14 to 14 Chicago. I am shocked. They ran the ball to the tune of 240 yards against the Patriots, 5.4 yards or carry, and they're coming at you in droves. 
Whatever you think of Khalil Herbert, he's a decent running back. Montgomery, I think, is better, but is the backup at this point. Josh Fields is a hell of a running quarterback. He can't pass. takes him eight seconds to throw the ball, but he can run. And then they're working in Dante Pettis, the old San Francisco 49er, who's fast on a couple of end arounds, 240 yards. And I am looking at this game differently because this is a must win. Dumbest thing you've ever heard, isn't it? Five and two, sitting good in the NFC. It's a must win. It's a must win because this is a team that you are supposed to beat. But it is 2022 in the NFL, and Seattle's got four wins? Maybe. Atlanta's got three wins. The over and under for those two teams on wins for the season was either four or four and a half. This year's NFL is strange for everyone except for Buffalo, Kansas City, and Philadelphia. Everybody else is in trouble every week. Chicago can play defense. Their defense gives up 18.8 points a game. Again, minimal amounts of opportunities, plays. There may only be 55 plays each for these two teams in this game. So the chances to score points are certainly down 15 to 20% potentially. They give up 3.5 yards per carry on the run. The Cowboys run it for closer to four and a half. That's number one in the NFL for the Bears, by the way. Versus the pass, they are second-ranked defense in touchdowns. They've given up five touchdowns. They've converted eight interceptions. This Bears team can play a little bit of defense. Remember, it was 10-6 to with eight minutes left to go in the game against the Lions. And the Lions are the worst defense in the NFL. Hey, Kellen, Cavante Turpin's fast. Is there not a pen and a pencil or a Chiefs or a Buffalo or a San Francisco game that you can watch and figure out how to get Cavante Turpin the ball four times during the game instead of one? Because when he comes in once, everyone goes, watch him. He's fast. Watch him. No end around. No whatever. Statue of Liberty. Nothing to Cavante Turpin. Eyes on him. And then that shit doesn't work. So how about four tries for Cavante Turpin? And where is Jalen Tolbert? You drafted Jalen Tolbert from Alabama State in the third round. I watched him in the spring, and I watched him in preseason. He's got hips, feet, the ability to get his foot in the ground, the ability to swing his hips around and make any catch. This kid is something. Now, when rookies don't play, it is generally because they're being dicks, because they don't want to compete on special teams, because they're not good blockers and not really studying hard to know all the plays on their assignments for blocking on um, rundowns. And if they're not getting it done, then he makes an example of a rookie who he doesn't think can help. But if you're watching this offense, don't you get the feeling Jalen Tolbert could help? And don't you kind of want to say, someone coach him up. I don't care what he's doing wrong. Yell at him. Put him in timeout. Hit him on the fingers with a whatever they do in Catholic school. But get him back in the game because at this point, there is no guarantee that a trade is coming. We will get to trade options. Well, let's go ahead and do it now. The Cowboys made a trade on Tuesday. Everybody's off day after Jerry said, we ain't making a trade unless Dion's available. Dion's missing some toes. I don't think he's as fast as he once was. Defensive tackle Jonathan Hankins comes over from Oakland, 30 years old. This is a guy that, to be honest with you, the Cowboys have told us they've been interested in two or three years, but it wasn't their type of player. The Cowboys have not had the massive fat guy taking up two offensive linemen, if possible, in the middle of their defense at defensive tackle for 10 years, maybe more. Hankins is 6'4", 340. He's massive. He is massive, and he has a streak, as you can imagine. Standing in the middle, taking on two huge men. He's got it. So Hankins will contribute. Now, again, you may be thinking, this defense is fine. The defensive tackle position is fine. Actually, there are a couple of wrinkles. There was uh, at least one defensive tackle that I think is a pretty good player who actually just didn't play last week, and another one who's working his way off the 21-day IR. So they're a little short at defensive tackle, even if he plays 10 or 15 plays. 
the rotation of men on the on the defensive line is a great thing. This is maybe the best defense in football. More under the tutelage of Dan Quinn and the direction of Dan Quinn, more is better. If I showed you every week how many players defense how many plays defensive players play, the number one guy on the defense who plays the most plays is probably a safety, and he's going to play about 65% of the plays. So he's off the field 35% of the plays. So there's other people coming in, and it's the same on the defensive line, and actually more important because they are banging into Buicks, huge cars, 350-pound offensive linemen, sticking them in the face and underneath the chin and kicking them in the dick. It's a brutal thing at the line of scrimmage. So more in the rotation is good. You'll like Jonathan Hankins. They acquired cornerback Kendall Sheffield, who was drafted by an in Atlanta for the first two years of his career. This one made some sense because he was drafted by Atlanta. That was when Dan Quinn was the head coach, so he knows about this kid, and he knows the personality of this kid, who was, by the way, on the street as a free agent. So you add a defensive tackle depth. You add a cornerback depth. depth. Right now, Kendall Sheffield will be on the practice squad. I wouldn't be surprised if he was active on Sunday, to be honest with you. Um, with Jordan Lewis out, it wouldn't surprise me. So you may see Kendall Sheffield. Trade options. Been on DJ Moore. I'm now on Elijah Moore. And I don't think the Jets are going to trade him. But Elijah Moore has not been playing, has not been getting many balls, if any balls, thrown his direction the last two or three weeks, and he has been boisterous to say, out. If you don't want me, I don't want to be here. Now, that's almost too good to be true because that's a really talented young man who's sitting on a million-dollar salary this year, a million four next year, and a million eight, and an unrestricted free agent at the end of 25. That's a trade ship that Stephen Jones would be interested in. It's a young man on a rookie contract that doesn't make that much money, that has some big upside as a wide receiver, very big. DJ Moore is the one I've been asking for in Carolina. There's a yard sale going on in Carolina. DJ Moore makes $19 million next year. Then it goes down to 16, then it goes down to 15 and 25. So that's not Amari Cooper money. That's pretty expensive. But DJ Moore's three straight thousand yard seasons is an electric player. If you watch DJ Moore, you're like, shit, I didn't know he was that good. I don't watch the Jets. Well, one thing, you should watch the Jets this year because they're really fast. Robert Sala has them playing very good football. And two, DJ Moore is just a good player. So if they are purging themselves of DJ Moore and that marginally heavy contract, not for you and me to worry about. The Cowboys have $18 million worth of salary cap space. It fits right in. Nobody has to be cut. No money has to be purged. It's all fine. Another option is Kendall Bourne. New England Patriots was a really, really good red zone wide receiver in San Francisco. He's about 6'1", but he's got like 37-inch sleeves. He's very good at reaching for and going and getting the ball. And if you're watching the NFL this year, what's really the hardest thing to do? It is throw a touchdown pass from the 20-yard line in. The red zone is so clogged up with so many corners and safeties and linebackers who are the greatest athletes in the world that they ain't open. Unless you got a cannon, they ain't open. I thought Dak had a cannon in 16. He doesn't anymore. Now, maybe it's going to get better. And maybe that all has to do with lower body stuff. If you're not stepping into those throws and throwing them hard, then the windows are not as big and they don't stay open as long. So I'm interested in those guys. Uh, by the way, Kendrick Bourne may be a little expensive if I'm telling you he's a red zone wide receiver. $3.5 million this year, $4.7 next year. That may be a bit more than they want. On the other hand, you were trying to make a run through the NFC and make a deep run in the playoffs. And I think what's in front of us right now with C.D. Lamb clearly, as, as talented as he is, not a number one wide receiver. I'm sorry. And Michael Gallup really never has been. He's a beast that you all of a sudden can't get the ball to. So you know who's catching balls now. Dalton Schultz is catching balls. 
and it's not enough. There need to be more options, and there need to be better plays designed at specific times for this quarterback and this offense to get this thing going. It's the NFC. Minnesota, Philadelphia, San Francisco, and Dallas, and, and the Giants if you want. But what of those teams scares the hell out of you? Can you not wait for December 24th for Philadelphia to get back here? The way they disrespected your team, I cannot wait. That head coach and those guys have it coming. Good news, Damone Clark. Don't know whether you know him or not. Young man from LSU. Cowboys had him on their draft board, early third-round pick. They were going to pick him. And they met him at the Combine. They had a vi- and It was an official visit. They loved him. He is a stout, yet fast linebacker who, when he hits you, you notice it. Remember old Roy Williams from Oklahoma that came in here and for three years until his body blew up when he hit people, there was just like a reverberation of the running back or wide receiver that he hit that you just felt it on TV and it was like the coolest thing ever because that's how football's supposed to be. That's what Damone Clark does to people. Out of LSU, big, strong, fast, and physical as hell. He won't, he'll tuck anybody on. You bring in an offensive lineman out here to me, he's going to pay. He's going to feel me. That running back is going to feel me. That tight end who dares do that little button hook four-yard pass is going to feel me. Now, having said all that, this kid's been through a lot. At the Combine, he went through regular physical stuff, and somebody decided that he needed spinal fusion surgery in the top of his neck to his back. He hadn't even had a Band-Aid put on anything. He wasn't having any problems. He wasn't complaining of anything. He was fine until somebody saw something in an MRI, an X-ray, whatever the hell it was, and they did a major surgery on this kid, and really the Cowboys thought, next year. But throughout this entire process, he's been saying, this year, I'm playing football this year, which, not me, good God. Scare the hell out of me. But he's back. He went through a 21-day window, and on the 20th day, the Cowboys announced to us we are activating Damone Clark from LSU, our fifth-round draft pick. Pick number 70, uh, 176 in the draft this year. Probably mostly special teams, plus it's pretty crowded, crowded linebacker room right now because Leighton Vander is playing pretty good, playing for a contract. Michael Parsons is the best player in the league. Anthony Barr is playing so good, Jabril Cox can't get on the field. By the way, Jabril Cox and Damone Clark were teammates at LSU. Great news. It's a good story. Watch him. He's number 33, by the way. If you're looking for him on Sunday, Damone Clark, number 33. See if he doesn't make a tackle on special teams. I bet he does. It must get better. The Bears are coming off a victory that will give them a lot of confidence, and mostly it will give their quarterback confidence. And when the rest of the team has a little more confidence in their quarterback that he's making incremental strides that he's finding Darnell Mooney a little bit and a couple of these wide receivers that aren't bad and that the running game goes for 240 against a Patriots team that we thought would be ready for it. That scares me. And the Cowboys defense, while probably the second best in the NFL, has not been great against the run. 120 yards a game against the run is too many. If that's what you're giving up to the average schmoes in the league, you've got four teams coming in here who can run the football. It has to get better. And a lot of that, to be honest with you, has to do with tackling still by corners for the most part who are coming up and don't want to part of these big running backs. And I don't blame them. I'm just saying the tackling has to get better. There has to be more of an attack mode, especially on the outside by safeties, linebackers, and cornerbacks at getting people down. Dak, Kellen, Mike McCarthy, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb, Dalton Schultz, along with Pollard, we need more from all of you. And we may need it in this game because this could be a game that you'll be surprised about, but I won't at this point, that comes down to the end and you're saying, oh, shit, it's 10 to 9 Bears and there's six minutes left to go in the game and we haven't done anything. And Dak Prescott 
hasn't shaken off all the rust. Michael Gallup isn't getting open for him. C.D. Lamb pouted because a ball got overthrown that he thought should have been thrown correctly to him. And now what? Figure it out. Figure out a way to get the ball to the running back. Listen, some of the best quarterbacks in the league lean on their running backs. How many pass catches a game does the San Diego running back get? I mean, it's it's ridiculous. If Tom is having a tough game, he will throw Leonard Fournette the ball 15 times. He doesn't give a damn. Aaron Rodgers threw the ball 15 times the other day to Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is no livelier or harder to tackle than Pollard is. I'm telling you, he's not. Throw Pollard the damn football. Keep both those running backs in. Go 12 personnel. I don't give a damn what you do. But you better find a way to get some more explosive plays out of this offense and to get Tony Pollard into the game, get Michael Gallup into the game, and design a few new damn plays. I, I, when, when Kellen Moore first got here, we were like, my God, look at the plays. Look at the, the He was getting some motion in, moving people around. They were unpredictable. They're running and they're passing, and it's, it's play action. And I know most of that was predicated early on the fact that Zeke was fucking Superman. And when Superman is running the ball, everybody is looking at Superman. So play action works, little double moves work. It all works, and it all worked early in Dak's career, and it all worked in 17, and it ain't worked since. And Zeke is not the same guy. But you have what you have, and this is a running game that can play. This is a defense that you don't have to panic over. You do not have to go for it from fourth and one and a half from your own 35-yard line down 14 to nothing. Hopefully that was a lesson learned. You don't have to. But you do have to win this football game. I don't care what the Bears' record is. The Bears, talent-wise, do not stack up against this Dallas Cowboys team. Dak has to take another step forward. Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy have to be better. There have to be some easier ways to get some plays in here that will break things open. Please, just go watch some other teams that are creative around this league. Because if you're not, you can watch the rest of the games with me and realize no one can score. People keep getting shut out in the second half, and it can happen to this Cowboys team. This is a game they can't lose. If they lose this game, Mike McCarthy is once again back on the hot seat because Dan Quinn may go somewhere else, and I don't really think they want him to, and I don't really want him to. The way that this defense has been established, the style that they play, the attitude that that entire room has of togetherness, I don't want Dan Quinn to go anywhere. So if McCarthy can't get this done and Kellen Moore can't team up with McCarthy and come up with some plays that make things a little bit easier for their banged-up quarterback, then to hell with all of them, and Dan Quinn is going to get this damn job. And I know you're saying Sean Payton. I sort of think that ship is sailing a little bit. I sort of do because Dan Quinn was a pretty good coach in Atlanta and probably should have won a Super Bowl. And now he's remade himself for the second time in his career as a defensive genius. Remember, he was a part of all that was good in Seattle in that secondary. Legion of Boom was Dan Quinn. So now he's your guy. He's, he's doomsday three. I don't want him to go anywhere. So everyone should be under the gun if the Cowboys do not win this game. I anticipate them winning the game. But the Bears do scare the hell out of me, and this team now needs to step up. You activated Dak for a reason. He's here. Get him ready. Get some plays down the field. Run sharper routes. I mean, there's so many things. When I watch, when I watch CD not square his route off or come back a little bit to his, his quarterback, when I watch uh, Michael Gallup in the first uh, early part of the game turn around from about a 15- or 18-yard throw right on the seam and just stand there and wait for the ball, and the safety beats him to it. Don't do that. You know, let's go back to junior high. Go towards the football. Give your quarterback a chance. And at this point, it's not a cannon coming out of Dak's arms. It's better than it was with Cooper Rush, but it ain't right now a cannon. Everybody has to be responsible for this. And maybe it's like when we were kids and you see one really good player and you're like, he's got it. 
maybe in this case, the offense is looking at the defense going, they got it. Shit, they ain't giving up nine points. We're good. We can get to ten. But if that's the case, this isn't the team we thought it should be. Got to get ready. Got to beat the Bears. Then you get a bye week. You get a bye week, and you get time to work on all this, and you get time to be creative. And when you go to a bye week off a win, and you're six and two, everyone's in a good mood. So guess what happens? Bill Parsons used to tell me, guess what happens off of a win and a bye week when you've been winning? You can scream at people. You can call them out in film sessions. You can do whatever you want because they'll listen because they didn't cost you a game. They just did something wrong in a game where you got a victory. Much more coachable at that point. Much more coachable. This is Off of the Helmets. I am so proud to be here with DSP Media doing all these shows with this guy. This is an absolute freight train of podcasts and entertainment coming out of DSP Media. Find us all over YouTube. Find us online at dspmediaonline.com. I think I got that right. And all podcast platforms have everything that we are doing. There are literally 21 podcasts emanating out of this brand new studio in North Dallas. By the way, if you're interested in the studio, we'll get you more information on that. It'll be on the website pretty soon. But you actually could bring your podcast or radio show here and do things from here as well. We would love to meet you and see you. You can come up here and sit in and have a beer with us. We do the Drunk Sports Podcast, you know. Not that we're pushing alcohol, but it will be available. I'm Brady Tinker. It's off of the helmets, courtesy of DSP Media. I enjoyed it. Thank you. And by the way, lots of clips almost daily coming out of off of the helmets. I'm doing them from the star, finding out what the information is, putting it out to you on Twitter and everywhere else. And Tim Indycarham is cutting them all up, and we are getting lots of information for you. All right? We will find out about the trades. We'll find out who's healthy and who's not. We'll kick some doors down to give you the Cowboys information you want. Okay, now I'm done. Off of the helmets, courtesy of DSP Media. See you soon. I'm Brady Tinker. (laughs) 